In Parashat Kisavot, we have the blessings and the curses of Hargrizim and Harevel. We were first introduced to this procedure back in Parashat Re'eh. Parashat Re'eh began, Re'eh anochin osein lefnechem hayom bracho klala. Hashem tells us we have a choice between blessing and curse. The bracha will receive asher tishmu el mitzvot Hashem alokechem. And the klala is lo tishmu el mitzvot Hashem alokechem, etc., and Hashem told us that what we're going to do is that when you enter the promised land, the bracha will be, will be given on Hargrizim, toward Hargrizim, and the klala toward Harevel. The details of this procedure are given in this week's parsha, in Parsha's Kisavo. It says that Moshe commanded the nation. Six tribes would be on Hargrizim. They would be they would be the Bracha tribes. Six tribes would be Klala. Ve'elu yamdu ala Klala. Ba'areval. Ha'areval was the Klala mountain. Ruvain God ba'asher. Zvulun don v'naftali. And then the the Torah lists the Klalos. The Klalos were as follows. The Torah lists about about a dozen of them. Those who make Pesilumasecha, idolatrous graven images, Orumasig Vulreyehu, Orumashke Iver Badarech, those who are Mata Mishpat Geyasim Valmana, certain Arayas, etc. Now, a number of these Klalos represent things that are already prohibited elsewhere in the Torah. So, for example, Orumasig Vulreyehu, Earlier, it had already said, Losasigvul, that there's a prohibition on being Masigvul. What exactly Masigvul is, that we discussed previously, there are many different interpretations of the verse in rabbinic literature. Pshutosh Mikra is that it refers to stealing land in Eretz Israel, it refers to tampering with borders, to, to uh, enlarge your, your estate at the expense of your neighbors. Yes? One of the curses is um, you can't. Um, you can't accept a bride. Doesn't it say that in Shoftim already? Right. So the Simcha points out one of the curses is First, taking bribes. We had bribes earlier. Back in Pasha Shoftim, taking bribes in general. And in general, this is the point that many of the many, maybe most of the of the curses here, the Arurs here, refer to conduct that is already prohibited elsewhere in the Torah. Kipshuto, the Torah just is underscoring how terrible these things are. It's giving, uh, it's giving a curse, not just a lav, but a curse. Some Achronim say that the Psukim in this week's parasha, we'll, a point we'll touch on a little bit later, the Psukim in this week's parasha are actually expanding the scope of the Isser, that, 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 uh, that, that uh, these, these errors actually expand the scope of prohibited behavior. But in any event, the, many of the errors closely parallel things that are elsewhere discussed as prohibited in the Torah. In particular, some Rishonim point out, some Rishonim note, that a theme between some or all the things in the Arurs is that they refer to things that a person can do and have plausible deniability. He does these things in secret, he, 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 he performs actions that are justifiable, that, uh, that, that they really hinge on his motive, and it's hard to, it's hard to pin him down. Bukhar Shar says that the all these things are typically done, Besaiser, he says, that, that people have excuses, people have reasons, people have innocent reasons for why they do what they do, and it's only if you... That's why it says that, 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 that ultimately only Hashem knows these things, 
because the because people have plausible deniability. Ralph Bagg makes this point with regard to some of them as well. In particular, tonight we're going to focus on one of the examples Bukhar Sharon and Bagg talk about. We're going to speak about the Pasuk of Arur Mashka Iver Badarach. Cursed is he who causes a blind person to go astray on the road. Iver is a blind person. Darach is a road. Mashka, similar to the word shogig, to, to, to stray, to, to go the wrong way. Cursed is he who causes a blind person to go astray on the road. This, of course, is, again, this, this is an error that clearly echoes a Pasuk back in Chumash Vayikra and Pashas Kedoshim. Do not place a stumbling block. Mashke perhaps means to cause him to go astray. To cause him to stumble. But it seems a very similar idea. Do not uh, do things to a blind person to, uh, you know, to, to trip him up. And back in Kedoshim we had a lav. Here we have an error. And again, the Bukhar Shar explains this is the kind of thing that you could do without, without getting caught. He says that if, uh, if you point him in a certain direction, if, if we're talking about a road, an actual physical road, we'll discuss soon what this Pasuk means, but if we're talking about Mikra, an actual blind person, an actual road, you could say, I thought that was the right road. I, that, that was, even if it turned out it was wrong, it was an innocent mistake, I thought that was the right way to go. If we're talking about causing him to do an Isser, then you could say that the, I thought it was mutter, I, I didn't realize it wasn't kosher, the food, the food I gave him, so on. So Bukharshar says that, that, like all the errors in his view, these are all things that a person can do without uh, being overtly, unequivocally malicious. And the Torah says, God knows what you're doing, and cursed, you, you'll, you'll be cursed if you, if you do these things wrong. The Ralbag says it a little bit differently. The, the, the Ralbag actually focuses on the victim, the victim, not the, not the perpetrator. The, the Bukharshar's point is that the perpetrator can claim innocence and get away with it. The Ralbag says that the commonality here between Aramashki Iver Badarach and between Aramashik Vloreyehu is because we're talking about things that you do to, uh, to your friend when he doesn't realize. It's, it, it, you, if, you, if you punch somebody, he sees it coming. He sees what you're doing. He realizes what you've done. These types of things, causing a blind person to go astray, it's, it's underhanded. He doesn't realize what you're doing to him. He thinks that's the right way when you point him in a certain way. Or the, the, the other example of Masik Vloreyehu, it's the, you're tampering with the borders. He doesn't realize you're moving the borders. If he realizes, he'll, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll call you out. And so these are things that, that are done surreptitiously in a hidden way. But tonight we're going to focus on Ar Mashka Iver Badarech, which is an Ar form of the perhaps better known Pasuk in Kedoshim, Vlufnei Iver Losite Mechshel. What do these Pesukim mean? You know, who, who is the blind man and what are you not supposed to do exactly? So there are three major interpretations of this verse, all of which appear in some, in some, in, in, in some portion of rabbinic literature, whether Talmud or Midrashim or post-Talmudic. There are three different interpretations of this verse. Pshutu Mikra, the simple reading of the verse, as Bukhar Shor noted, is that we are talking about an actual blind man and an actual road. The Iver is someone who physically cannot see. And it's easy to lead him astray or to put stumbling blocks in his way. He can't see, he can't see what's in front of him. He can't see the road. So, do not, place a, uh, do not place a stumbling block in front of the blind. Do not lead him astray. That is Pshutu Shalmikra. This, this, this interpretation of the verse does not appear in the literature of the Talmud or Midrash. This appears in 
post-Talmudic sources, as we will see soon. In, in the literature of Chazal, the most common interpretation of the verse we find, and probably the best known to, to, to students of rabbinic literature in general, is the prohibition against causing somebody to sin. The lav of Lufnaiver, we encounter it all over the place in Halacha. There is a prohibition in enabling and facilitating sin. The Gemara gives various examples. If you, someone is a Nazir, he's not allowed to drink wine, you give him a glass of wine, you violate Lufnaiver, Lositein Mechshel. We discussed bribery before. So the way the Torah, the way the Torah sets forth a prohibition of bribery, the, 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 the prohibition of bribery is on the judge, that the judge is prohibited to accept a bribe. There's no direct prohibition on a litigant to give a bribe, but the halacha is that a litigant who gives a bribe violates lifnaiver. He's causing the judge to sin. The judge sins by accepting the bribe. The litigant sins by facilitating the sin of the judge. He also might be corrupting the din, which is a separate, or stealing, which is a separate, separate prohibitions. But the, the basic rule in halacha is, in the Talmud and in the post-Talmudic sources is, anytime one person does an avera, and you facilitate, you enable that Avera, you are over Lifnaiver as well. This applies even to non-Jews as well. If a non-Jew is allowed to eat, uh, allowed to eat pork and he's allowed to eat shellfish, but he's not allowed to eat Avram Menachai. So if you give a non-Jew pork, that's fine. He's allowed to eat pork, so that's perfectly okay. You're, you're allowed to give him pork. But if you give a non-Jew Avram Menachai that he's not allowed to eat, then you violate Lifnaiver. Since he violates Avram Menachai, you violate Lifnaiver. The Talmud says if you pay ribas, that if that, that a lender is not allowed to charge ribas, a buyer is not allowed to pay ribas. Among other things, the buyer who pays ribas is over lifneiver because he's he's causing the, the, the he's causing the lender to, to, to charge to accept the ribas and be over the lav of the shochad losikach losikach shochad. So, I'm sorry, that, that's shochad. Ribas is the that uh, that as kaspul uh, that the, the various prohibitions against. Um, various prohibitions against charging interest, and the, and the, and the, the person who pays the ribbis is over Lifnaiver by facilitating, even though it's to his detriment, but he's still over the lav of Lifnaiver by facilitating the prohibition of, uh, by, of, of, the, of the lender. And th- this has many, many applications throughout halacha. We, we mentioned a number from the Talmud, many, many applications in later postkim as well. There's even a prohibition against giving food to someone who won't make a bracha, or won't wash until he's dying. There's a lot of discussion in the post What do you do with non-religious friends, relatives? If you have a restaurant, people come in who aren't observant. What are you supposed to do? It's a, it's a major discussion in the post So that, that's the second interpretation of Lufnaiver, that it refers to facilitating someone else's sin. The third interpretation of Lufnaiver is giving bad advice. And Iver here is figuratively, according to both these latter interpretations, it's not, a phys- it's, not a, it's not someone who's physically blind. It's someone who is blind as to the correct course of action. According to the previous shot, he's, he's someone who is blind. Rambam writes that the... Rambam writes that the... Some, someone who is... Uh, someone who is sinning is doing the... is doing the, the wrong thing. He's, he's, he's a... He's blind in this area. Ram, I'm looking at the Rambam's language. He says that the... He says that the Rambam writes, Anyone who gives somebody bad advice, or who supports someone doing an Avera, 
Why is he called an Iver? Show Iver in a Roa Derechaemes. Someone who sins is truly blind. He, he, he's blind to the, the true path, the correct path. Taivas Libo because of the desires of his heart. He violates the love of Lufneiver. Lufneiver lo sitting Michshel. That, that this is the law of Lufneiver. So this is the third approach that besides Isr Vahetar, giving somebody bad advice itself is another variation of Lufneiver. So generally speaking, these are the three interpretations of Lufneiver that we, that we find in various rabbinic sources. We'll go back now in a little more detail and, and see uh, who espouses these various approaches. Taras Kahanim, Taras Kahanim, the Sifra, back in Pashas Kedoshim on the Pasukah of Lufneiver, Lusitin Michshel, Taras Kahanim says... Lufnei Suma Bedavar. Suma here means figuratively, it means someone who's blind with respect to a certain matter. If, he, if, if they ask about a shidduch, if they ask, is a certain woman, is she appropriate for kahuna? You shouldn't say kshera when she's psula. That could either be a question of iser or a question of bad advice. <coughs> if, he's, if he's asking you for an eitzah, give him a, give him a proper eitzah, an eitzah haguna, eitzah hogenes. Don't say get up early if you know that's a bad time to travel because the, the bandits are on the road. Don't say go out in midday if you know that that's, uh, he'll, he'll suffer heat stroke from that. Don't say sell your, your field and buy a donkey. And really that's because you have a vested interest. You want to buy his field. So all these types of things where you're giving, you're giving bad advice. And again, the, 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 the Taras Kahanam un- underscores that often it can be difficult to, to catch somebody doing this. He, he, he can defend himself by saying, I gave the advice in good faith. So the Taras Kahanam says... Shema Tomar You'll say it was a good eitzah. I thought it was good for him to sell. I, I thought real estate. <coughs> I expected real estate to go down, so it was good advice to invest in donkeys. So the Torah says you're right. We can't always prove that you're guilty, but it's Dover Masur Lelev that this is something that God knows the truth. Hashem knows whether you gave that advice in good faith or not. This is the pshat that. Rashi brings, Rashi brings his pshat in, in Pasha's Kisavo, our Pasha, Rashi says, what is mashke iver? Suma bedavar, not a literal suma, but someone who is blind with respect to a certain matter. Masio etzara, and you give him bad advice. The Sefer Achinuch, Sefer Achinuch says, the mitzvah of lufna iver is lo lahachshel b'nei Yisrael, you should not mislead people by giving them bad advice, but you should give them good advice. Lufna iver l'sitein mechshel, brings the Taras Kahnim, and then the Chinuch says, this lav is kolal also, this lav includes anyone who helps someone else do an Avera, that he's causing him to, that, that he's causing him to do more Averas, he'll do more Averas in the future. And he brings one of the examples of Chazal, that it says that the, the lender, the borrower, they're over Lufnaiver, because each one, besides whatever prohibitions he's over by paying or charging ribbis per se, he's also over Lufnaiver for facilitating facilitating the Avera of the, of the other person. And Rambam brings both these Pshatim as well. Rambam says that the... Rambam says Rambam say for a mitzvah, and the Yad HaZaka mentions that we have to... Uh, m- mentions that, that, that giving somebody an Eitzah Shein HaGenes is Lefneiver. He brings the Taras Kahnim again, as, as, as the Mepharshim do. And he says... He brings the Isra of Ribis as well, the, the, the example of Ribis causing someone to do an Avera. So the Lahalacha in the Gemara, in the, the Taras Kanim and the Rishonim, generally, this, the, these are the two approaches of Lufneiver that we find, giving somebody bad advice and causing somebody to sin. 
Some of the Akronim point out, it could be argued that giving somebody, causing somebody to sin is kind of a corollary of giving him bad advice. It's clearly a bad idea to sin. So that, 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 that really can be looked at as just a special case of, special case of giving bad advice. Ramosha Feinstein, though, says something very interesting. Ramosha Feinstein says that they are actually conceptually two very different prohibitions. Ramosha Feinstein says that the, he says, causing somebody to sin is conceptually entirely different than the other types of lefnever. He says that lefnever of bad advice, for example, he says, that is benadim lachavero. That you're, it's, it's a form of causing injury to your friend, giving him bad advice, you're causing him to act in a way that's against his interest. So that is, uh, that, that's benadim lachavero. The, the Isser of causing him to sin, we view as Benadim Lamakam. The, the Isser is not that you caused him to do something that's bad for his immortal soul. It, it, it's Klape Hashem. Hashem does not want people to do Averis, and you're causing more Averis to be done. He has an interesting proof. He says, what about non-Jews? We mentioned earlier that the, the prohibition of causing somebody to sin, the Talmud is explicit, applies to non-Jews. The prohibition of giving bad advice, Ramosha argues, does not apply to non-Jews. He, he says that the, he brings a... He brings, I, I believe he says that that does not apply to non-Jews. He brings proof from that. So he says, you see that the, there's a Benadim Lachavero portion of Lifneiver, and that's limited to Jews, and that applies to things like bad advice. And then there's the causing him to sin, which is a, a broader, a different type of it. Hashem does not want sin to occur in his world, and that applies even to non-Jews. But Kipshuto, the Rosh himself agrees, Kipshuto, all the different aspects of Lifneiver are all Benadim Lachavero. Kipshuto, they're all don't hurt, don't injure your, your fellow man, Jew or non-Jew, whatever it is, by causing him either to physically stumble, possibly, we'll get to that soon, or by giving him bad advice to cause him to act in a way that's against his, his interest, or by causing him to sin, which is certainly against, his, certainly against his interest as well. Now, there's some fascinating discussion as to whether, we've been, as we said, in, in classic rabbinic literature, in Talmud and Midrash, the two forms of Lufnaiver are the giving bad advice and causing somebody to sin. Nowhere in, in the, the literature of Chazal do we find the Pshutushal Mikra of actually putting a stumbling block in front of the blind person. Chazal don't say that's not Lufnaiver, they don't say it is, they don't discuss that case. The Rashi notes in a Gemara and Hulin that the Kusim, the, the sectarian, one of the groups of the sectarians, the Kuthites, they, they interpreted the Pasuk literally. They did not interpret... The, 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 the Kusim, who, who kept the Jewish religion in, 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 to a certain extent, didn't understand all the, all the mitzvahs the way we do. In particular, they didn't understand that Lufneiver was a prohibition against causing somebody to sin. So even if they kept kosher, for example, they had no qualms in serving us non-kosher food. For a Jew to serve non-kosher food to somebody else would violate Lufneiver. But the Kusim understood, Rashi says, the Gemara really says this, the Kusim understood Lufneiver literally. So they were presumably very meticulous about not putting stumbling blocks in front of the blind and not, uh, not pointing blind people in the wrong direction. But they had no qualms in serving somebody non-kosher food, even though they took kasher seriously, because I, don't, I keep kosher. I, I, I don't care what you do. That, that, you're an Iver, but you're not a real Iver. A real Iver is a blind person. That, 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 that they didn't care about. The question is, do we accept the Pshad of the Kusim as well? Do we accept the literal meaning of the verse as do not put a stumbling block in front of the blind, do not physically put a stumbling block in front of the blind, in addition to the other interpretations that we have that the Kusim don't accept, 
do we also accept the basic literal meaning of the verse not to direct the blind person in the wrong way? It's kind of an academic question, presumably, because surely you're not allowed to do that for other reasons. You know, it, it violates, presumably, it violates uh, maybe Losamar al Damreacha and Ashawasaveda. There might be lots of reasons why you shouldn't do it, but uh, consider at least the technical question Does Losamar al Damreacha, uh, does the, the prohibition of Lofnibro Sitin Mechshol, does that encompass actually misdirecting an actual, an actual physical blind person? But does the, the uh, missionary of the Gemara have to say that? I mean, isn't there a principle in the Kriot? Yes. Yes. So, 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 so Jonathan is hitting on the key issue here, which is, as I said, the, the Talmud neither affirms nor denies. The, the classic rabbinic literature neither affirms nor denies, never discusses this question. So Jonathan is pointing out, we, we, have, a, we have a general rule, ein mikra pshuto. The Talmud, as a matter of fact, gives us a, a, a sweeping rule. It says, ein mikra pshuto, except for one particular case in the, involving, the, the, involving Yibum, where the, you don't actually have to name the child of the, of the, of the Yibum marriage after the mace. But everywhere else, the Torah says, is a rule, ein mikra pshuto. We have the right to be durish, additional things, but we never... But the, of course, we, of course, we add we, the Chazal is full of drush, which is not pshutishal mikra. But the point is, the Mafarshim explain that those are in addition to pshutishal mikra. But we don't, we don't generally negate pshutishal mikra. So this point is made by the Minchas Chinuch. The Minchas Chinuch has on, on the mitzvah on the mitzvah of Lifneiver. Minchas Chinuch has uh, classic discussions of certain aspects of Lifneiver. One of his points is this: he says he strongly is of the opinion that Lifneiver ought to include misdirecting a physical, literal evil as well. And that is his argument. He says that, that why, should it, why should it be Yotzimib Shuto? He says, it's, the Gemara says, except for that one example of Yibam. So he says, our whole difference uh, with the Kusim is that they don't accept the Drasha at all. We accept the Drasha as well, in addition. But, but surely we should accept the Pshutishal Maker as well. Then he brings earlier Akronim, who actually debated this point. He goes back and forth. He doesn't understand. He says, why are some Akronim saying that it doesn't include the literal meaning? Why should we do that, he says. So he says, that he goes back and forth, back and forth, but he, uh, he himself is, uh, he, bring, he, he concedes that there seems to be earlier Akronim who consider the matter debatable, but he, but he, but he makes his point. He, he, he thinks that it is logical that it should include, it should include the physical type of Lufnever as well. Other Akronim also, Akronim and Rishonim even, also seem to assume that the physical causing damage in general to someone is a, uh, does violate Lifneiver. The Sefer Chassidim, Yudah Chassid, has an interesting comment. Lots of things in Sefer Chassidim are interesting. He says, Lifneiver lositein michshol, a person, this is, I guess, a, a contemporary thing, he says, a person who has a contagious disease he's talking about, shouldn't go into the bathhouse, shouldn't, uh, you know, should practice some kind of social distancing. A person who is contagious shouldn't expose other people to his disease without disclosure. He brings various psukim, he brings Rehapshal Recha Kamocha, he brings Losam Raldam Recha, but he starts by saying, So, again, we're not talk- this is not quite a literal Iver, we're not talking about a blind person, you can't see the microbes, you can't see the... You can't see the, micro, the microscopic disease vectors, but you're not literally blind. But the, the point is, this is, not, this is neither an issue of causing someone to sin nor giving bad advice. This is just 
causing someone, to exposing someone to a, to a problem that, that he's not aware of, that itself is lefneiver. So apparently the Sefer Chassidim, the Akronim point out, is taking a broader view of the Pasuk as well, it, it, that it's not limited to bad advice and causing people to sin, that it applies to it applies to uh, it, 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 it applies to it applies to other types of causing people problems as well. In the in the Pirush of the Makar Chesed, Pirush of the Makar Chesed on the Sefer Chasidim, the, the he, he he brings there on on the, on this passage in the Sefer Chasidim, he says he, he notes that Remer Arik in the in the Minchas Pitim. Mayor Arik was one, was one of the great Gedolim of what what was what was was one of the great Gedolim of Poland of a century ago. So, uh, so Mayor Arik says that the although there is a Bach, he, he brings a Bach who says the Lefneiver is only the the examples given by Chazal of bad advice or causing to sin, but an actual stone in front of a blind person is not Lefneiver. Says the says Mayor Arik from the, from the Sefer Hasidim, it seems clear that any way of causing someone to fall into harm that, that he's not aware of violates Lufna'ivr Lasvite Michshel. Brings other proofs to that effect. So a number of Akronim, like the Menchaschinach, take this expansive view that Lufna'ivr is not limited to causing someone to sin, not limited to bad advice, but any time you expose someone to a problem he's not aware of and cause, him to, and cause harm to him, that violates Lufna'ivr. Rosha Feinstein, the Chuvu we mentioned earlier, takes for granted also that that is correct. He says that if someone puts an actual michshol in front of a blind person, vaday over belifnaiver, the mikra ein The same argument that uh, we follow the standard rule, unless there's some, some compelling reason not to, that all mikros have to be kipshuto, so we can't deny the literal sense of the verse. Ramosha then makes the point we made earlier that he says that there's a difference between the causing the blind person to stumble and giving bad advice, which is benadim lechaveru, he says, he says, but chait, he says, is is different. Chait, he says, is benadim lemakom, but uh, causing him physically, causing him physical harm or or b- bad advice, those things are are are, are lechaveru, but causing him to sin is benadim lemakom. So we have a number of achronim who say that the that lefneiver is that all all these Talmudic interpretations, midrashic interpretations. Are adding on to lifneiver the, phys- the 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 figurative ever who's not aware who's doesn't know that the advice is bad for him and so on. But but we also keep the we also keep the basic lifneiver of someone who just physically can't see something. And some achronim disagree. Some achronim say the mikra is yotzim deipshuto for some reason. But this is a this is a major machlok achron. Meshachachma, Mayor Simcha of of Dvinsk, the Meshachachma says, he, he begins by quoting the Kusim, that the Kusim say it literally means putting a stone in front of the Iver. That's true, he says, the Kusim are not wrong. The Kusim are wrong, for, again, for rejecting the, the extension of Chazal to giving bad advice and causing him to sin. But the Kusim are not wrong, he says, about the fundamental point that, that, that a physical uh, obstacle is Lefneiver. He says that the... He says that that that's that's the all these things are included, including the including the the literal physical interpretation as well. But as we mentioned, most of rabbinic literature on this topic, most of the the literature in the postkim deals with lefneiver of causing people to sin. There is a uh, very very rich and sophisticated literature on the topic. There, there there are really questions that come up all the time. We're not really going to systematically discuss all these questions. If you have practical questions, you can either discuss it with me afterward or ask your, uh, 
ask the ask, ask, ask your local Orthodox rabbi. But you know, one of the very common scenarios, for example, is inviting a guest for Shabbos, and 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 you have reason to believe, since he's not observant, you have reason to believe that he'll travel to travel to and from your house on Shabbos. Is that allowed? Is that called facilitating sin? We mentioned earlier that the question, can you provide food for someone who's, who's not going to make a bracha? All these questions are discussed by Poskim. They discuss, can you officiate at a wedding between people who are not going to keep Taras and Mishpacha? In all these questions, there are, there are numerous arguments for leniency, for example, in that last case of officiating at a wedding for people who won't keep Taras and Mishpacha. You know, the counter-argument is going to be, I am not causing them to sin. Whatever they're going to be doing, certainly in the 21st century, they're probably going to be doing before the marriage as well. And if I don't marry them, they'll be married anyway. They'll just, someone else will marry them. They'll be civilly married. Another rabbi will marry them. This, this, this is always one of the key leniencies in Lefnaiver. If I'm not really facilitating the prohibition, it'll happen anyway. The Gemara itself says if, if that when we say if you give a coast of wine to a Nazir, you're facilitating the sin, so you're, you're, you get an Avera. But if he can reach the wine without you, and, and he's just asking you for convenience, but if, if not, he'll just uh, get out of his chair and get the wine himself. There's no Lefnaiver. It's only if he can't get the wine without you. So th- that, that, that's perhaps one of the main arguments for leniency in many cases, that even, even in the case of the fellow driving on Shabbos, it's true, if you don't invite him to your house, he won't drive to your house. He'll drive to the local restaurant, he'll drive to the bar, he'll drive to the movie, the movie theater, he'll drive to the beach, wherever he's going to drive. So are you really causing more driving on Shabbos? That, 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 that's always going to be one of the big issues. So again, the, the, halachas, the halachas here are, are quite complicated. Additionally, people, talk, people make the argument that maybe for the long-term benefit of his observance and of the God's honor in the world, chasing him away is just going to make him uh, do more Averis and be less likely to, to ever rejoin the fold, while if I keep the lines of communications open and I display warmth to him and I, I keep him engaged, uh, it's more likely that he'll adopt, uh, that he, he may return to observance. Shalom Zaman Orbach has a famous discussion about this where he talks about giving non-kosher food to some, giving food to someone who won't make brachas. He says, again, the whole point is to minimize the minimize Averis here. He says, if, if you're going if, if to, if your refusal to, to, to be gracious to him is going to cause him to be even more hostile and be pushed farther away and, and cause sinna and so on, you're actually causing more Averis, Shalom Zaman suggests, so maybe there's grounds here for being lenient. People had quoted Roshlomo Zalman apparently as saying that you can invite somebody to your house if he'll drive on Shabbos if you think in the long run it'll bring him closer to observance. Roshlomo Zalman was very upset, they say, when people told him that people were saying that in his name. He said that, that that's, uh, that's, a very, uh, that's a very provocative thing to say. In, in very limited cases, maybe he would say that, but just wholesale to, to allow any kind of lufnever for the purpose of Kiruv, he says that, that, that that's a little too... Uh, that's a little too reckless. So there's a lot, a lot of discussion. We're not really going to attempt to tackle this systematically, although the ins and outs of, we- of, of when Lifneva applies, when it does not apply. I just want to discuss for a few minutes some, some, some interesting and noteworthy aspects of Lifneva. One, one pair of questions, one pair of kind of uh, inverse questions that I always, I always found particularly interesting is, how does Lifneva apply to something that I consider usher, and someone else considers mutter, or vice versa. For example, I let's say do not open certain types of bottles and cans on Shabbos, and I have a friend, a guest, a family member who does. So, 
you know, I, I want to say, I, my minhag is not to open this bottle on Shabbos, but I know you do, that there are rabbanim who, there are, there are, there are legitimate halakhic positions on both sides. Am I allowed to ask you to open the bottle? Or the reverse case, I have some food that I don't eat, maybe it's not Chal Yisrael, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's not Bet Yosef Chalak, it, uh, maybe it's not Yashan. I have some food that I don't eat because of uh, stringencies, the uh, stringent positions that I follow. And you, you don't have those positions. You, 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 you eat those foods. Can I serve those foods to you? Or, uh, or, or, or do I have to only serve you food that I would eat myself? As we mentioned earlier, the, the basic problem in halacha, besides you know, personal questions of trust, the, the basic problem in halacha with serving somebody food that's usher or asking him to do something on Shabbos that's usher would be lefneiver. So how does lefneiver apply to something that I considered usher but you consider mutter or vice versa? So one of the earliest postings to this, one of the earlier postings to discuss this is Rav Yaakov Etlinger in Binyan Sion. So one Gemara that, that, that comes to mind that, that he brings, that uh, one Gemara that comes to mind right away when discussing this is a celebrated discussion in Masechus Yuvamas. The Gemara relates in the first parak that Beishamah and Beishillel had major disputes. They had, they had, they had you know, famously many, many disputes. Some of them were, were of quite, uh, quite portentous, were quite, uh, had major ramifications. In particular, in the first parak of Yuvamus, they had certain arguments about whether the law of Yibum applied in certain cases. Uh, having to do with erva, and a man had two wives, one was an erva, there was another wife who wasn't an erva. There was certain, we're not going to get into the complicated details of Yibum, but there are certain cases where they argued whether the mitzvah of Yibum was in effect or not. Yibum is always a very paradoxical mitzvah because... A man's brother's wife is normally an erva to him, but if there's a mitzvah of yibum, then it turns from being a, a, a serious avera of, uh, of erva into a mitzvah. But if there is no mitzvah of yibum, if yibum does not apply in a given case, it goes back to being an erva. So you have this case where, a, a certain case where, where base Beishamai said the mitzvah of yibum applies. So if a person marries his brother's wife in this case, it's a bona fide valid marriage and he gets a mitzvah. Basil Ostrom, Basil says it's Saras Erva, Basil says it's no Yibum and it's an Erva if he marries her. So if these cases arose and, and in, if they followed Beishamai's ruling and they did Yibum, according to Basil, that, that, that is qualified not to put too fine a point on it as incest. The children are Mamzerim, and according to Beishamai, they're doing a mitzvah. So the Gemara brings an opinion that Beishamai, this was not simply an academic machlokas, that Beishamai actually followed their ruling. You had, you had cases in Klai Yisrael where some families, where, some fa- where, where families were, there were families which according to Beishamai were doing mitzvahs, and according to Beishel, they were mamzer. So what happened? So the Gemara says, nevertheless, there was comedy and friendship between them, and they, the, Beishamai and Beishel married women from each other's families freely, and there was no problem. The Gemara says, why? If, if, if according to Beishel, Beishamai's women were mamzerim, so the Beshamai, the children of Beshamai, these marriages from Amzerim, how could they marry them? So the Gemara says, you know why? Because they would tell them. They would, Beshamai would, they would keep records. They would say, these families, according to you, Beshilal, are Amzerim, stay away from them. We think it's, everything's fine, but we respect your opinion. We respect you, and therefore we're telling you that you can marry us in general. We'll keep records and tell you which families you shouldn't marry which families, according to you, are problematic. Same thing with regard to Tuma and Tara. There were cases of ritual purity and impurity that Basil and Bishamah had different opinions about. And it says that, and the Mishnah says, that the, 
the, or the, 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 the Mishnah says, the, the, the Gemara says, that, that they would still use each other's things, and they, they wouldn't worry about these problems, that, 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 that they, right, it's it Taurus and Tumas as well, that nevertheless, they, they, they would share each other's kalim or food, they wouldn't worry about Tumas and Tara. Why not? So the Gemara says, because they told them. They said, you know, Beishama would say, can I borrow a kalim from you? Basil would say yes, or Basil would say, well, no, because these kalim, according to you, are tummy, so you shouldn't, you shouldn't handle these kalim. They kept track of everything, and, they, uh, and that's why it all worked out. So the Binyantion and other Akronim bring in Arzarua, Rabbi Yitzhak Arzarua, one of the great Ashkenazic Rishonim. He says, what is this, uh, what, what is this trust based on? You, you could, we, could, we could say it's just based on uh, integrity. It's based on you know, the, per, the personal trust they had with each other. But the, the Arzarua says what it was actually based on, he proposes, was Lifneiver. He says it's based on, it's based on the idea that you're not allowed to give somebody something that would be usher according to him, even if you think it's mutter. So the Arzarua raises this question explicitly. He says, if Ruvain says something is usher, and Shimon thinks it's mutter, and Shimon thinks Ruvain is just wrong, Shimon thinks Ruvain is just misguided, his chumrah is a mistake, so... Can Ruvain trust Shimon? Can Shimon feed him things? Is Shimon going to give him things that Shimon thinks are, are mutter? So the Arzarua brings this Gemara. He says the reason Beisham and Basil could trust each other is because it would have been usher. he seems to be saying, is because it would have been usher for either of them to give, to, to, to give them access to something that, that the recipient thinks is usher, even though the provider thinks it's mutter. So the Arzarua says that, the, that you're not allowed to give somebody something that he thinks is usher. And therefore, the person who thinks it's usher can rely on you because, because you won't, you won't give it to him. So Binyan Sion says it's not such a proof. Maybe they're not relying on Lifna either. Maybe they're just relying on trust. They would ask, he says. The, the, the Bishan would ask. Bishan would ask, but before we marry this woman, please tell us, Bishamai, is this woman permitted and to us? And they wouldn't lie, even if there's no Lifna either. Sherry's Israeli Asu Avla. Jews tell the truth, he says. So they, they, they asked them and they trusted them. It doesn't mean that Lifna either would actually apply. Ravavadi Yosef, as I recall, as I recall, has a tshuva where they asked him, "You have a the about Shemitah, the the laws, the, law, the laws of Shemitah. You have a you have a uh, you have a you have a person who relies on the heter mechira, the sale of the land of Israel, which the Rabbanot has been performing for decades, based on various gedolim of decades ago and current gedolim." And they sell the land to the Arabs during Shemitah, which, which, gives, which, gives, give, which uh, allows for certain leniencies in Shemitah. Other people in Eretz Yisrael, following the Chazonish, following the, the Haredim, following the Chazonish, are strict and do not rely on the Heter Mechira. So Rav was asked, if you eat Heter Mechira produce, and you have guests in your house who, who do not eat Heter Mechira produce, can, can you just give it to them because you know that it's mutter? Or do you have to respect their opinion? They think it's usher, so it would be lifnaiver for me to, or something like that for me to give it to them. So Ravad Yosef distinguishes. He says that whenever we, when we talk about this question, can you give somebody something that you think is mutter and he thinks it's usher, it depends what we mean when we say he thinks it's usher. If he's, if he's just uh, has made up things, if he just has things which have no basis in halacha and are just... Uh, are just his uh, off-the-wall humorous, he says, you don't have to respect that. There's no lift naiver, he's just making a mistake. You can, you, you can feel perfectly free to ignore his misguided scruples. However, he says, if he has a legitimate shita that he's, that, that he's machmer for, even if the, the halacha is not like that, but if he has uh, an undeniably legitimate humra, 
you have to respect that and you cannot give him something that is usher. With regard to Hatem Rechir, Havadia says, the Iker Lahalach is that it's mutter, the, based on all the Gedolim who held it was mutter, he says, but you can't deny the Chazanish was a great man, he says, you can't deny the Chazanish is an important figure. Someone who's machmer for the Chazanish is not just making stuff up, he says, so therefore you do have to respect that, I believe he says, I haven't had a chance to look it up, but he says you do have to respect that, and you cannot feed someone Hatem Rechir products that, if, if you know he doesn't eat them. The, the Binyan Tzion. Yeah, I was just going to ask about kissing you on Pesach. Right. Uh, similar kind of thing. Another example of it. If, if Sfardim, Sfardim who eat kidneys, they, they, they never accepted the this. Nikradin is clearly mutter. Yeah. Nikradin is clearly mutter, but, but it, was, it was a chumra that was accepted by, by right. certain groups of, or, or, or Shruya, Gebracht, for the, the Hasidim accepted chumras of Gebracht at a later date. These types of chumras. So the. These, these, so, so these types of chumras. So again, the, since, 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 since in, even though they, even though in these cases there were opinions who thought machmirim were off the wall, when the Rishonim argued vehemently about kidneys, there were those who felt that the chumra was off the wall. And when it comes to shruya as well, there, there might have been at some point people who thought there was off the wall. But my, my, I, I don't have exact posting to quote here, but my impression would be that the, the halachic consensus has settled on the fact that there, that there are legitimate positions on both sides. And that therefore you, you probably should respect the ones who are machmer. Again, but, but it's a good example because on Pesach, for example, there are all kinds of uh, extreme chumras. Some people peel every vegetable. Some people won't eat, some people won't eat anything that has a peel because the peel could have comments, so they peel everything first. Some people won't eat any food that fell on the floor. Some people, so the question is do you have to be, if you have, if you have a guest who you know has one of these chumras, which are, these are not humorous that anybody would say, I think, is a real chiv or a real, uh, a real isr meikra din. Do you have to respect that? Is Yerlef Naivir for you to give him something that you know he would, uh, his humorous to avoid eating? Or do you say, since it's, only a, uh, since it's only something he does without any real rigorous, even if, even if he's not a fool for doing it, post can say things like, Yisrael Kedoshim Heim, and they adopt humorous beyond that which are required. But, that, that, but, but that, that's an important question. In such a case where his humra is, is, uh, is, is, is totally just Yisrael Kedoshim Heim and is not based on a, a solid shita, is Yerlif Naiver. Again, we can argue that, just Menshlechkeit, that, that you can argue that intuitively we have a sense of Yosher, that it's not right, that if you know he'd rather not eat it, it's just not right to give it to, give it to him to eat. But we're discussing, we're, we're focusing on Lif Naiver. Would there be Lif Naiver? So arguably not. In the Sefer Chaim Shalshalom, Chuvus Chaim Shalshalom, the Sefer of a century or a century and a half ago, so he, uh, he talks about these questions as well. And he also makes the same basic distinction. He says that if you know that, that, if, if you know that, uh, that, the, that, that, that they have an actual minhag, that something is usher, you can't give it to them. Even if you think it's mutter, if you know, he brings the same raya from Yavamas, that, that, that if Beshamay knows that Beshil considers these people mamzerim, then they can't... Then they can't uh, then they, then they can't cause them to, you know, to, to be over the Isser. However, he says, if it's only a question of a Chumrah, of a Chumrah, he says, again, he goes through the question both ways. If you have an Isser, can you cause someone else to, to, to do it? Like my example with the bottles, or, or can you give somebody the food that you wouldn't eat? To, if, 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 if you keep uh, kidney, you're the Ashkenazi, you keep kidneys, can you give the kidneys to, uh, to, you know, to a Sfardi? So he says, the... So kidneys might be a little bit different. Again, I haven't seen a discussion. Kidneys might be a little different in the sense that kidneys is generally assumed to be some kind of xera, that, that it was, it, it, not that anyone held it was Osir Mikra Din, but that it was adopted as a xera, as a, as a chumrah. 
And people who accepted it don't consider it binding on those who didn't. We, 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 we don't think Sephardim are wrong for not doing Kenyas. We Ashkenazim, we just say that we accepted the Chumrah and they didn't. Same as Cher and Ben Gershom. We accepted the Chumrah not to marry two wives. Many Sephardim did not. So the, we don't consider them wrong. We just say that we adopted the Chumrah and they didn't. In that case, I think there's certainly no Lefneiber. The, the Arzuru himself gives an example. If I'm a Nazir, so I can't drink wine. There's no question I can give wine to you because you're not a Nazir. Well, you can drink wine. It's Nazir for me. It's Mutter for you. So in a case where I myself agree that it's Mutter for you, then, then I think it's even, then it's even more lenient. The, the way, the, the, way the, 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 the way the Arzura says it is, he says, he says that, the, that a Yisrael certainly shouldn't, shouldn't give a Nazir wine. He says that the that the that a Kohen certainly shouldn't give a Yisrael truma because if, if you know it's us, he's going in the other direction. If you know it's us or for him, even though even though it's mutter for you, you know, you know, there's no argument here. Truma is mutter for a Kohen, us for a Yisrael. Wine is mutter for an ordinary person, us for another. So in those cases, I think it's clear that uh, that, that you can't be machshel him. Or, and, and on the other hand, that it's mutter, that, 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 that if you know that for him it's mutter, I th- I, my, my sense is that there wouldn't really be a problem because I, I don't consider kidney osir for everyone. I just think it's exera that, that we adopted. But in a case where I have a chumrah, which in theory, according to my chumrah, should be binding on everyone, I'm choshish for a shita, or I, I reject a certain kula on everyone, that, that's really the question we're discussing here. So in the Chaim Shal Shalom, he says that, the, if, that if it's something that's meikra din, if you think it's osir, you can't give it to someone else, even if he thinks it's mutter. If you, th- if you think it's mutter, you can't give it to someone else who thinks it's asr, you have to be machmer both ways. But if it's only a chumrah, he says, if it's only a chumrah and a precious ba'alma, that uh, the meikra din, it's mutter, but, but you, you just want to hold a higher standard, <coughs> then he says, even if you don't need it, you're allowed to give it to somebody else. And, I, I, and uh, the, the reverse, I'm not sure, if, 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 if he has the chumrah and you don't, should you, should you give it to him? So, right, so Again, we had Ravavadia's standard that that if he's doing it based on legitimate poskim, you should respect that. And, and, and possibly the same thing over here, even if it's only a chumrah, but, but if he has a chumrah based on legitimate poskim, then you should, then you should respect that. In, in, in many cases, that, that's probably true for chumras that some people have and some don't. In many cases, in p- perhaps most cases that, that arise, that, that commonly arise, they are questions of chumrah. That if some people do and some people don't, it's uh, probably meikradin, whether it's like the examples I gave before of Yashan or Chal of Yisrael, it, 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 that uh, it's, it's true that there is basis to be machmer, but the the, the kashrus agencies are mekil by and large, except maybe for some chassidim. But in general, the kashrus agencies are mekil, and the most rabbanim you ask will tell you that it's mutter mikra din. So those cases would, would be cases, I think, of humra where where we're again we, we, we would have we would have the more lenient views that uh, if you have the humra, I, I, I have this question in my house sometimes. I, I I have food that I personally wouldn't eat, but I have guests I know who don't. Uh, who, 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 who don't have the same standards, who, who bring me food that, 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 that falls in the same category. So in general, I, Nikra Din, I think it would be mutter to feed them that food. I always feel funny doing it. I always feel just, just kind of uh, morally a little uh, uncertain about this. If, if I wouldn't eat it and there are guests in my house, I always just feel a little strange serving food that I actually wouldn't eat, even if there's... Even if there's so I, I feel a little funny about it. But Nikra Din, there, there probably is... Uh, if it really is only a Chumrah... That's what the Chaim Shal Shalom says. If it's really only a chumrah, then uh, th- th- then you're allowed to uh, you're allowed to give it to somebody else. The Benyantzian himself, going back to the Benyantzian we mentioned, he brings this Arzarua, who, who assumes that 
that if someone else has a, a shita that's usher, you have to respect that. He says, there's no raya from the Gemara Nivamas. The Gemara Nivamas, he says, could mean that they, they, they explicitly asked and they trusted each other, but Lefnever would not apply if you think it's mutter. He goes back and forth, and the Binyan Sion's conclusion is, he says, that you should be machmer, you should not feed someone that something that he thinks is usher, even if you think it's mutter, like Ravadia says, that, 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 that if, if he has a real, a, real, a real opinion that it's usher, you should respect that in general, he says. However, he says, if, uh, if, if, if the person who, who, who considers it usher is a guest at the house of the person who thinks it's mutter, he says, it's, it's really not so clear. He says he really should ask him. He says, it's, it's, it's not so clear one way or another. The Arzurua seems to think that, that he can trust that he... He can trust that he won't serve it to him, that's Lifnaivir, but the, the Benyatin is not sure. Because really, you should ask. If you know that your host is Mekil, you shouldn't just assume that he'll respect your Chumrah and, and, uh, and give you only things that you think are appropriate. Ideally, he says you should ask. Ideally, you should say, is this kosher according to my standards? And if you can't ask, he says, if it's not, if it's not practical, it's not possible, then he says you can rely on the Arzarua, who says that, 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 that he has an ethical duty not to give you food that, 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 that would be also according to your standards, even if according to his standards, it is perfectly mutter.